Hi, welcome to Broadway Assembly Church Podcast. We are excited for you to be joining us today. If you want to get a notification of the most recent uploads, please subscribe to our podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Wow. Thank you, musicians. Wonderful job. Been a busy week. So good to have Brother Grant, Sister Katrina, and... uh, their family with us. We've been waiting a while. Praise the Lord. And uh, I want to say how much I appreciate all those that uh, I'll just kind of re-echo what he had mentioned there. Different ones that was able to come and help Monday night as we uh, got them unpacked and moved in. Uh, My wife and I counted about 38 folks out there. So that U-Haul came unpacked packed pretty quick it was great and uh, then we just left them with boxes everywhere (laughs) and so it's been their job uh, to do the rest but it looked uh, we went over and he had a little hiccup with the um, the power how many lost power this week do that storm yeah there's several folks that was without power and uh, so uh they got to stay there maybe, what is it, one night or two? And then the power goes out out there. And uh, I think they had to find somewhere else to stay, maybe with Sister Sharon or something there. And then we went back over there, and we were glad when the power was restored. Amen. And uh, and so I went over yesterday because I uh, didn't realize the uh, sup pumps in the basement had let the basement flood. And uh, then uh, he's like, I kind of got a cold shower. I was like, oh, forgot to see if the hot water heater was relit after the water had been in the basement. So they've just had a great time, just I'm sure. He's like, I don't mean to complain, but when I had a cold shower, I was like, Brother Grant, it's okay. You let me know when stuff like that happened. And so, uh, but uh, they did good today. And uh, we had a lot of tree limbs. Maybe you did at your house. A lot of trees came down out at camp. Our uh, our big tree out there that we always park the picnic tables under. You'll see a big V in it. Uh, the top came out. But I want to thank all the guys. I think we had eight eight brothers that came out Friday. Was it Friday? Friday. Yeah. And I'm telling you, Brother Toby and Brother Zach are the dynamic duo. They got up in that tree, and uh, I'm telling you, he doesn't want me to say anything, but it was a little risky. We was all nervous on the ground for him, but uh, but did a great job. So many others that came out, helped us uh, get some things cleaned up. Appreciate that. And then going on here, we've got, uh, doesn't it look good around here? We've got new mulch on the flower beds. Flowers have been planted. It looks real good. It's starting to look like summer and spring around here, which is welcome, isn't it? After this long winter we had, and uh, so good things are happening. I appreciate everybody that does so much, and uh, let me remind you, the uh, there is some uh, water main replacement resurfacing project that's going to be going on right out here starting tomorrow, um, and so uh, I believe it's from Route 2 on and off ramps uh, down to 28th Street, 
and uh, they'll be uh, putting in a 10-inch water main, resurfacing the road. So um, that's to begin tomorrow, and it's going to stretch towards uh, probably November, I think the first week of November. So changes in traffic patterns, so please, we just want you to be aware of that. Exercise caution when you go or come uh, here as you uh, come into the parking lot or exit. Uh, be very, we want folks to be safe. How many knows you have to watch the other guy too? That's the way it is a lot of times. Uh, but uh, we appreciate, amen, you being here this morning. And uh, today is, along with Pentecost Sunday, it is our camp kickoff uh, Sunday. That means uh, we need some builders, number one. And what are we going to be building? We're going to build the pop pyramid. And so I think everybody here can be a builder, bring some uh, pop and be sure you'll see the sign back there and uh, we're going to start building that through from now until camp and uh, also all the information registrations uh, for that's counselors and campers they're out all the info sheets uh, we need plenty of volunteers for that week and so be mindful of that all the information is out there uh, right there located by the communication station. So help yourself and get that done early. All right. Praise the Lord. So we're excited about, about camp. More will uh, be shared about that in the coming weeks as we move towards camp. Praise the Lord. But I want you to be in prayer that God gives us a powerful year at Camp Blessing this year. It's going to be July the 18th through the 22nd. That's a Monday through Friday. Uh, Friday afternoon-ish, and so uh, we're looking forward to it. we got a great lineup of speakers. You won't want to miss them. Amen. So we're looking forward to them being with us and you being there. So praise the Lord. Be mindful of that and be in prayer for it. Looking forward to it. And uh, also the service this evening starts at 630 uh, why don't you just plan to be here? Today's all about Pentecost Sunday. Tonight, uh, we'll be sharing uh, along the same lines of this topic, so come and join us. Today, we're going to Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, and we're going to read 1 through 4. This is the uh, classic passage of Scripture that deals with uh, the date today in the uh, church calendar of Pentecost Sunday. Praise the Lord. So uh, I welcome you to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 4. You're welcome to join me in standing. <coughs> Praise the Lord. Trust you brought your Bibles. Text is provided on the screen as well. Praise the Lord. If you're there, say amen. amen. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come... They were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. If you're thankful for Pentecost, why don't you just raise a hand or two? Let's lift our voice and let's just glorify the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit that's come. 
God, as we just unpack this text and look at this huge subject today, I pray that our hearts would be warmed with the fire of Pentecost. Once again, God, speak to our hearts. May every one of us leave this place of worship, Lord, full and running over with that Spirit of God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. All God's children say amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. If you're Pentecostal, give him a hand clap of praise. Glory. Hallelujah. That's right. Thank you, Lord. I've just titled it The Person of Pentecost, and I know some, some kind of get out, been out of shape or knocked off balance by uh, calling the Holy Spirit a person, but... Um, some would maybe call him more of a force, but I believe he's personal. I believe, I believe the Bible shares that he's a personal. Uh, we call him the third person uh, in the Trinity, and, and so we'll just call it the person of Pentecost. Now, students of history are acquainted with a period uh, of human antiquity called the Dark Ages. How many of you remember studying in your history class about the Dark Ages? Um, it started, history tells us, about the 5th century. And it continued for the next 600 years uh, is what really is on the history books. And you might say it was a 600-year um, depression. Yeah. I won't ask for a show of hands, but some of us here in uh, this building today experienced a little bit of the depression that was held over from the 30s, right? Uh, but this one was a 600-year depression. Uh, food was scarce. People basically lived uh, hand-to-mouth. Western civilization really just barely hung on by a thread. And I've read that one of the bright spots, though, during that time was your local cathedral. Um, building cathedrals, even in those little small towns, gave work to hundreds, if not thousands, of people during that time. And these cathedrals became the uh, cultural, social, and spiritual center uh, of life during that time. Large portraits, paintings, stained glass windows, statues, pageantry, they all helped teach the great stories of the Bible in a time where very few people could read. Uh, and so with this in mind, as these cathedrals were being built, they said some of them were built especially to impress on people the meaning of Pentecost. The whole cathedral was built around the theme of Pentecost. And in such cathedrals, they were designed with, with high domes, um, richly painted ceilings, and with a number of, of small carefully disguised trapdoors. And during worship on Pentecost Sunday, when nearly they said the whole town was gathered in the cathedral, some unlucky parishioners uh, were previously drafted to have to climb up on the roof. And at the appropriate moment, they said, during the worship service, they would uh, release a live dove uh, through one of those small trap doors in the ceiling uh, 
And that dove would come, obviously, and swoop over the congregation as a living symbol of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And at the same time, they said when that was happening, the, the choir would begin to um, mimic uh, the rushing mighty wind. Now, I don't know how you would mimic that, but I read one source and it said they, the choir boys would make swooshing sounds. Uh, and so uh, the trap doors then in the ceiling would be opened again. And that time they said buckets of rose petals um, were showered upon the, the congregation, symbolizing the flaming tongues of fire falling on the worshipers below. Now, you can imagine. Now, isn't that, I, I don't know if you brought your imagination to church this morning. But, but if you can imagine the impact that that made on the drab, hard lives of those medieval believers. They were, uh, may not have been able to read about Pentecost from Scripture because, like I said, not many could read. Nor did they, many of them even own a Bible. But this visual demonstration proclaimed the message of Pentecost that left a lasting impression on those generations. And, and I know this morning, uh, these many, many years later, we don't have any trap doors in our ceilings that I know of. And, and uh, you can probably be assured we're, you're not going to have to duck a flying dove. Okay? But like those medieval Christians, I pray this morning that we can be impressed again. I said, I pray that we can be impressed again on the importance of the Holy Spirit. Because when our spiritual life grows stale, and when telling others about Christ's love and grace uh, has lost its urgency, and maybe it's when our own lives face hard times, we need to be reminded that God has sent a gift that refreshes us that revives us and restores our spiritual passion. Amen. We need to be reminded God has provided us with the help we need, church, to be channels of His love, channels of His grace to... How many know we live in a violent, self-absorbed, pleasure-seeking, materialistic culture? But the gift that was sent to us in is, is the person and work of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Now the Holy Ghost has been described in many different ways. Some has described and said he's like a breath of fresh air that blows away the dust and makes things clean again. Some say he's like refreshing cool water on a thirsty tongue. He's like a cleansing fire that burns away all the thick undergrowth so that something new can rise out of the ashes. He's like a potter who, who starts with an odd-shaped lump of clay and molds and, and shapes it into something beautiful. He's like a renovator who, who uses what's already there but he strengthens or reestablishes and kind of gives it a makeover he's like a they said like a loving spouse whispering reassurances of love and support these are all things that the holy spirit can be likened to he's like a 
parent guiding and helping a confused child. He's like a tour guide who points us in the right direction and so we can see things that we would have otherwise missed along the way. See, he's like the gentle tap on the shoulder that causes us to realize that maybe we do need a fresh word from the Lord. He's that fierce shaking that'll wake us up and remind us that there's more to life than money. There's more to life than relentlessly pushing ourselves until we're stressed and depressed. The Holy Spirit is one of God's greatest gifts to the church. And today being Pentecost Sunday is our celebration of the birth of the church as recounted in the text, Acts chapter 2. And on that day we say the church was born because it literally did not exist before then as we know it. And beginning on the day of Pentecost in around in about 33 AD, God's own spirit came to indwell, unite, energize, and send forth the people of God who would become known as the church, the bride of Christ. So I want to ask a couple questions, and then we're going to make a few points, and we'll conclude. Question number one, who is the Holy Ghost? Who is this Holy Spirit? I don't know if you prefer ghost or spirit, but either one will work for me, because I know who we're talking about, right? Now, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came and went and occasionally descended on a prophet to reveal a a truth, or sometimes he he came to work uh, miracles. But no prophet before John the Baptist was recorded as being filled with the Holy Spirit. And one of the distinctives of the New Testament is that God's power would be made available to every believer through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And every believer should be filled, I believe, and, and should be utilizing the power of the Spirit. Christ promised his disciples that after he ascended back to the Father, he would send another comforter to be with them, in them, to represent himself to them, and to lead them into all what? Truth, you're right. And the Holy Spirit plays a prominent role in the book of Acts and and throughout the lives of the apostles. For example, uh, Apostle Paul mentions the Holy Spirit often and urges people to be filled. He says, don't be drunk with wine. Remember that one? But be filled with the Spirit. He says that the Holy Spirit helps us to pray when we don't know how to pray. He mentions several gifts of the Holy Spirit. He mentions the fruit of the Spirit. So there's no shortage of talk of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. And yet I think some folks seem to be fearful of Pentecost. But oh, I think they just need to rediscover. Because he's not some energy or impersonal force. He is is that third person of the Trinity. And he does things only God can do. And that would be Christ's and Paul's answer to the first question. Now, question number two. So what are the functions of the Holy Spirit that we should know about and that we should seek to have working in us and among us? First of all, and I have, uh, we'll, we'll move quickly through these. Don't have anxiety. But I've got about five or six, okay? Tonight I have 88. Just kidding, I lost a big bunch of you there. 
First of all, the Holy Spirit is a promise. And here, he's Christ's promise. Christ was leaving the disciples. Christ said, oh, don't get all stirred up here, guys, because this is going to be a good thing. It's like, how, how are you leaving? It's going to be good. It was a good thing because he said, I'm going to send another comforter. And he's going to be not just with you, but in you. In other words, I can't be everywhere you are in, in a sense that you're trying to process it. Because how many know the disciples were guys just like you and I? But the coming of the Spirit would more than take Christ's place in that sense. That's what he was trying to tell his disciples. He even said that with the Holy Spirit, You'll do greater things. Really? Yeah. Greater things than he did among them. Because the Holy Spirit would be in them and with them. Now, backing up from Christ's promise of the Holy Spirit taking his place, uh, we see the Hebrew prophet Joel. He promised and he said, in the last days... The Spirit, he said, would fill God's people in a special way that had never been experienced before. And the disciple Peter uh, stood up on the day of Pentecost and said, right here is the fulfillment of Joel's exact promise. So we see the Spirit is a promise. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is a paraclete. Now, this is a special role that Christ gave to the Holy Spirit. In the culture that the disciples lived, a paraclete was someone who went with a friend to court to support them and plead their cause. Now you're thinking, oh, an expensive lawyer. No, no, not exactly a lawyer. We're talking here a a friendly advocate and helper who's known you for a long time and will vouch for you and defend you. Christ referred to the Holy Spirit as this uh, another comforter or even another paraclete. So he indicates the Holy Spirit is like Christ, fulfilling the same function as mediator, friend, and helper. And so the difference is the Holy Spirit is going to dwell within us and be with us 24-7. So he is that friend and advocate. Oh, I don't know about you, but I'm glad I've got one with me. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit, now he's not only a promise and a paraclete, he's a presence. Because unlike in the Old Testament, where the Holy Spirit came and went, since the day of Pentecost, all who truly follow Christ can have the Holy Spirit as their possession. Okay? Not possession is something we own and do with whatever we want. Okay? Instead, we can possess the Holy Spirit as we are possessed by the Holy Spirit. Okay? And the Holy Spirit sent to us by Christ can take possession of us. And the Holy Spirit is God's personal presence with us. And how many know God is everywhere present? Okay, uh, you know, uh, surveillance cameras, they're common today. Uh, we have some here. And uh, 
when we enter a bank, let's just say cameras watch us from the time we leave our car in the parking lot until we stand at the teller's window, right? They're watching you. And in, but in Psalm 139, we learn God's Spirit observes us everywhere we go. And he's sensitive to every thought and action. He said, if I arise, you're there. When I go to bed, you're there. He says, if I was to make my bed in the uttermost spot, you're there. You see, the Holy Spirit is everywhere present. And because of that, God's children, I want to tell somebody this morning, you have a constant care. And you can be placed in the loving circle of God's concern. And if we try to run away from him, he'll run alongside you. You attempt to hide from him, he'll be waiting for you when you get to your hiding place. Huh? The beauty of it all lies in the truth that God never stops pursuing his children wherever uh, their wayward little running legs will take them. He is like the loving shepherd who's walking through lonely, dangerous nights in search for the lost sheep. And when the shepherd finds the sheep, he puts him on his shoulder and he comes home rejoicing. That's because the presence of God wants to be with you. Fourthly, the Holy Spirit is not only his presence, but also his power. Christ promised the disciples. He said, you guys with this power will be able, and it is mentioned that they actually did it, turn the world, what's it say? Upside down. Now that's some power. Although the Spirit is a person, the Spirit is also God's, God's power. Now, we sometimes sing the hymn, how many remember that hymn? The power, the power gives victory over sin, purity within. The power, the power. They had it at Pentecost. Power to do what? To live Christ-like lives. To display the grace of God and to point people to Christ to be the people of God. How many know an effective church is a spirit-led church? Don't you want this power? Don't you want your church to have this power? I told you I'm going to move. Number five. The Holy Spirit is a passion. Now here is where some get a little nervous. We don't want to be too emotional. And I understand emotions aren't everything. I do want you to know when you're done shouting, you're going to be able to walk right. Right? But oftentimes, you know, we get a little nervous. We want our services to be so calm and predictable. Doing all things decently in order. And that's a good thing. Decently in order is good. But it can also become deadly dull. Now, I know that it's possible to have passion without showing it emotionally. I understand that. But I also believe from the New Testament, from personal experience too, that passion that never manifests itself, never manifests itself outwardly, is extremely rare. 
Yeah, and I just was thinking to myself, and maybe I should have left it to myself. Why do we think it's, it's a good thing to demonstrate passion outwardly and emotionally at a sporting event? But never when we're in the house of God singing about the Savior's love. And about His mercy and His grace. I mean, the Holy Spirit's passion should show at least occasionally. In impassioned excitement, enthusiasm. Why? Because we're talking about God. Praise God. We're talking about a God that loved us enough that while we were running from Him, He was running to us. While we were yet in sin, He sends a son and says, I'll give you the best. Somebody ought to say thank God. Oh, glory. I feel the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Praise God. Here's my final one. Number six, Holy Spirit is productive. He produces edifying works. Fruit among his people. In the New Testament, there's a couple lists. The Holy Spirit produce. The first, the gifts of the Spirit. Second are the fruit of the Spirit. Now, some churches tend to focus more on the fruit than on the gifts. And Paul lists the fruit of the Spirit. You can read it in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, tempers. Those are evidences of the Spirit's presence. Whenever the Spirit is present, these characteristics, Paul said, should be evident in a supernatural way. What that means is that producing the fruit of the Spirit does not happen simply by turning over a new leaf. The fruit of the Spirit are really beyond our natural capacity to produce. Paul also then goes a step further, lists the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, faith, prophecy, healing, speaking in tongues, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, etc. Now, like the fruit of the Spirit, these are supernatural, not natural abilities. Left to ourselves without the powerful presence of the Spirit, we could never have these gifts. Now, let me be clear. There are people who do not have the Spirit, who have what looks like some of the fruit of the Spirit. They can. They can look like that. And some of the gifts of the Spirit may look like that. But when followed through the long haul, there's usually going to be a breakdown. You've got to have the Holy Spirit to really produce the fruit and the gifts long term. Because Paul said, these fruit and these gifts come from above. Not from our human nature. And as Christians, we hopefully want to display the fruit of the Spirit and practice some, at least some of the gifts of the Spirit. But we can't have them without the Spirit's supernatural presence and power. Because he's the one that produces. 
He is productive. We can't pray for people and see healings take place and, and without the Spirit's supernatural presence and power. So if you want these evidences of the Spirit's presence and power in our life, in our church, what do we got to do? Well, the New Testament very prominently talks about something many churches tend to ignore, and that's be filled. It talks about the infilling of the Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, the disciples, hey, they were already saved. They were already followers of Christ. They'd been following him for over three years. But they had not been filled. Filled with the Holy Spirit. And so the book of Acts shows us that this is an experience every Christian should have, not just once, but as often as necessary and possible. Because how many know you can get refilled? Why do you need to get refilled? Because we all leak. Hello. Our prayer lives and our worship should receive fresh infillings of the Spirit's power. Beginning, uh, bringing increasing degrees of, of fruitfulness and, and gifts of His Spirit. Why, why, why would you want to just settle for forgiven and born again? That's great. Don't get me wrong. We can have a meeting right there. But why not go on to Transformation. And a fair reading of New Testament pushes us to realize that the Holy Spirit always can fall on us with fresh infillings, transforming our lives, both individually and collectively. And when that happens, the Spirit grows. The fruit grow. The gifts begin to open up. And the result is a lifestyle where there's Power to be witnesses. Mm, hallelujah. Because the Holy Spirit, how many know he shatters the status quo? Breaking us out of complacency and lifting us to new heights of spiritual fullness and spiritual blessing. That is, if we're open to him. Oh, hallelujah. And so Christ knew his disciples. I'm going to try to conclude here. Christ knew his disciples could only go so far riding the rush of sheer enthusiasm about the resurrection. Enthusiasm alone would not be enough to face down the opposition, to face down the persecution and the difficulties that they were going to encounter. They needed a supernatural punch of spiritual strength. They needed the power of the Holy Spirit. And Christ knew that in fighting the powers of the flesh, the world, and the devil, he knew our conventional weapons would be totally inadequate. To the disciples need a super-powered arsenal, and thus before moving forward, he sends them back. He says, you go back to Jerusalem and you wait for this promise. Oh, hallelujah. Ah, oh, there's a story I read recently about the great NASCAR driver, uh, Donnie, Donnie Allison. Uh, in the Daytona 500, Allison got off to a good start. Just two laps into the race, something went wrong. And in the first turn, his car stalls out. He rolls off the track into the infield. It didn't take long to discover the problem. No one in his entire crew had bothered to fill his car with fuel. 
Donnie was an experienced, seasoned, successful NASCAR driver. His car was $250,000 worth of precision and preparation, but his crew made the omission that short-circuited the mission. Hmm? And how many know that can happen to believers? That can happen to churches. We can sport a nice paint job, spiritual paint job. We can have Bible knowledge. We can even have experience. We can even have commitment under our hood. But if there's no gas in the tank, you're not going to make it very far down this road. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Praise God. I'm closing, Sister Jones. You can come. Listen, one more thing as I close. I believe that the evidence of being filled is still the Acts evidence, which is speaking in other tongues. I know a lot of people have got away from that. And sadly for some folks, speaking in tongues is like a rattlesnake. It's something you don't want to touch. Huh? It's like poison ivy. You want to avoid it at all costs. Some have grown up in churches that they're scared to death of tongues. Some pastors won't touch that subject with a 10-foot pole. But the truth is, they are being robbed of a blessing because of fear. They are being robbed of a blessing because they will not... Listen, the word tongue simply means languages or dialects. And listen, the gift of tongues is a spirit-given capacity to praise God or to pray to God in a language other than your native tongue. Oh, yeah. Acts 2.4 says when the gift of tongues was first manifested, it says the Spirit gave the utterance. The gift of tongues wasn't a skill that they were taught. It was a phenomenon prompted by the power of the Holy Ghost. Tongues happen when the Spirit enables us to praise Him in an unlearned language. Listen, it's a fulfilling experience to praise God freely and unrestrained. That's all it is. Praise God. I've got to close. They tell us there's what, 5,665, 5, something like that, languages in our world today. And I only know one, English, and I have trouble with that one. They say there's 800,000 words in the English lexicon, but the average person's daily working vocab is a little more than 7,000 words. That presents a problem in a sense because what happens when you can't find the right word? When you, have anybody ever been at a loss for words? You really can't express what's on your mind or on your heart. What happens? You kind of get a little frustrated. Uh, you're like, oh, I can't. In the spirit, we're capable of expressing deep feelings and a wide range of emotions. Yet all we sense on the spiritual level has to be channeled through the spiritual intellect and limited vocabulary. That's where the breakdown occurs. And so our narrowness cuts off the flow and, and, and bottles up our emotions and strangles our expression and we're pent up. And listen, for, for believers, that's not always good because God longs for praise and worship not to be pent up, not to be reserved and restrained, but the Holy Spirit wants to fill us up He'll shake us up and then he'll pop the cork and let adoration and exaltation just kind of flow. Praise God. 
And this is what happens when you get full of the Holy Spirit. God bypasses your mental linguistic limitations by placing in your mind things you don't even understand. But listen, He knows it's a heavenly language. It's an angelic language. Paul said, praise Him with the tongues of men and of angels. That's what the Holy Ghost is about. Let's stand together. Praise God. Because Peter says being full of the Holy Ghost is like joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. When our spirit is dry as dust, it's difficult to realize why bottled up feelings would be a problem. But when we're filled to overflowing, expression becomes a top priority. And it's like, hallelujah. Now, can you imagine you were getting married and you got locked jaw on your wedding day? Imagine being unable to verbalize your love at the very moment when you wanted to communicate it best. Hello. Or think of your favorite football team playing their greatest rival and your mouth is being taped shut. It would be torture for you not to be able to cheer. Listen, you would want somebody to rip off that tape. Well, tongues is God's way of removing the tape and the spirit begins to flow. I said the Spirit flows. Tongues is the evidence that Holy Spirit has taken up residence in you. So somebody ought to let it go and say, God, fill me up with a... If you want to be energized today, why don't you slip out of your seat, raise your hands and just stand around the front and say, Lord, I want to be refreshed in your presence. I want that presence of the Holy Ghost, power of Pentecost. Go ahead and flow in this service. Anybody in here? Anybody in the house? Want the fresh touch of the Holy Spirit? Anybody in the house not being a scaredy cat of Him? Go ahead and say, Lord, I'm not, I'm not going to be scared of the Holy Ghost anymore. I'll let Him have His way. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, just raise your hands. That's it, church. Raise your hands and let the Holy Spirit strengthen you. Let Him flow fresh and anew in your hearts. That's right, this is Pentecost Sunday. Some of you just might go home filled with the Holy Ghost.